Welcome to the monkey seat, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. That counts as a podcast, right? My name is Tom, and I'm joined today not by Carl, as he's throwing up somewhere in a bucket in uh, in Dublin somewhere, uh, but by our regular Formula E expert, Charlie Horn. Hello, Charlie. Hello. And making his debut on the monkey seat, it's Everything F1 podcast version of me, Mr. Tom Downey. Hello. How are you, Booth? How's your How was your uh, How was your bank holiday? Nice and quiet. No bank holiday up here, so. Oh, of course, you're no. in Bonnie, Bonnie, Scotland, aren't you? Yes, yeah. you, you don't, you don't, you don't get the lovely bank holidays. And it wasn't a bank holiday in Spa either, was it? Which is why we couldn't couldn't carry on. But we'll get on to that later. Um, so you can find us all on all major podcasting platforms by searching for the Monkey Seat Podcast. And why not leave us a five star review? Uh, that would be great if you did. And we will read your review on the air and any shout outs as an added bonus if you want. Alternative, if you think we aren't worth five stars, then tell us why and throw some cash while you're there to help us improve. You can donate to this podcast for one pound up and uh, to the supporters and to keep this gravy train rolling. Uh, we will say literally anything you want if you give us money. Once again, we would like to acknowledge the uh, the great work of our partner charity, Furbles Rescue, who are continuing to do great work in our local area, rehoming abandoned cats, and they need funding far more than we do. So head over to furblesrescue.org to see how you can help. So apparently we had a race at the weekend. Um, what's your mm-hmm. opening thoughts then? So Charlie, what's your overriding standout moment of the weekend for you? Uh, George Russell qualifying. P2, without a doubt, fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very good shout. The the qualifying itself was uh, was very exciting and probably the most exciting part of the weekend, certainly Formula One wise. What about for you, Tom? What was your standout moment? Um, aside from Bert Mylander sitting scrolling through Instagram on his phone <laughs> in the safety car, um, I you have to look at George Russell's qualifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing that could even possibly top that would be Lando coming top in uh, Q1 and Q2, but unfortunately he obviously met a premature end to his qualifying. Yeah, and that, I think if he'd have managed to get his lap in in qualifying, it would have been my standout moment. Obviously, I think he was dead set for uh, for pole, as oh. every, everyone knows that Lando Norris is my favourite driver, so I was gutted about that. But my moment for the weekend, for me really, was Sebastian Vettel going to check if he was all right. I thought, you know, he's complete, for me now, he has completely turned around from the Sebastian Vettel of the Red Bull days where I couldn't stand the guy, uh, and now he's uh, he's up there with, for me for one of my favourite drivers. I'll tell you what, that moment reminded me of. It reminded me of Ayrton Senna checking on Eric Comas mm-hmm. back in, I can't, I can't remember what year, because I wasn't. Actually, it was ninety one. Right? I, I wasn't. I wasn't born until ninety four. Um, so uh, you know. So obviously, I don't remember Senna. But the, seeing seeing a driver that gravely concerned about their who was effectively their rival on track stopping and risking their own life, it um it speaks volumes about uh, Vettel's character. Yeah. Definitely, and uh, and Carl, who is uh, taken a, a moment to stop throwing up, has uh, decided to put some comments in the chat, uh, and he says uh, he swears Charlie's hair gets higher every time he sees him, um, and also his moment of the weekend was the medical car going round on two wheels. Uh, <laughs> it was really yeah. really gunning it, wasn't he? Yeah, and um, I, I you know I, I I like performance cars anyway. I've actually just actually just bought one. Um, Ooh. But um, I, I nearly bought an AMG actually. But but seeing but seeing that C sixty three practically going sideways through a rouge, that was uh, yeah. Alan van der Merwe, he wasn't leaving anything out there. And I think people perhaps discredit just how good a driver 
the safety car drivers and the medical car drivers really are. Mm-hmm. Yep, don't don't get car started on safety cars. He'll start talking about roofs and things. But uh, yes, he will. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a, a reference to a previous podcast. There. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's ironic. You you almost bought an AMG. I once owned an MG. That's the difference between you and me. I think. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I went I went I went I went the other way and I, I bought another BMW. So. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we'll get on to BMW later on when we get to uh, to Formula E, I'm sure. Here comes my two-minute challenge. It's the two-minute challenge. Perez crash on the parade lap. That's it. Right. So I managed to get that in in two la- in two minutes. So that was a particularly challenging just, one. That was just, yeah. just about. Just yeah, couldn't find but... Just just about. So uh, yeah. Um, we'll start with that then. Perez crashing on the parade lap. Um, I mean, how did he do it? Well, I mean, he's just signed a new deal. Has he got, has he got Esteban Ocon fever and just decided he's going to just crash for the next few weeks? Or was it, was it just that bad out there? I, I think it was just that bad out there. I mean, if, if you looked at it, he just, just touched the raised curb um, coming into turn six. And it was just the faintest of touches, but that was goes to show how poor the conditions were. That was all it needed. And you could see as soon as it sent the car, he was a passenger and he was heading straight for that wall. And there was a sense of inevitability about it. As soon as he came off that curb, he, he was going in and there was something you could do to stop it. Mm, it was pretty yeah. heavy, pretty heavy impact, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it definitely was the terrible, terrible conditions. Just a, something small like that. You've got no control over it. You try your absolute hardest to get there, but it just goes wrong just in a split second, and that's 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 your race over. So yeah, I think there's nothing you could do really. Yeah, I was uh, I was I've heard people criticising, saying why was he pushing so hard on the parade lap? But I think you kind of that's your one chance to get used to the conditions, isn't it? So to uh, I kind of think you you kind of have to push in those scenarios but it seems to be like an overriding thing of the Red Bull obviously Verstappen doing it last year in Hungary and and we've seen it happen before with Red Bull as well I don't know if it's just a characteristic of the car whether it's particularly twitchy in those conditions but Uh it makes you think what would have happened if uh, if the race had gone on would Verstappen have been able to hold on to it that's true or I wonder if it's just something with their formation their uh, sorry parade lap procedure that has resulted in their crashing a few times I don't know yeah, potentially, yeah. So do we reckon that, um, obviously, Perez was allowed back in the race and initially he was he was out and the uh, Red Bull informed Massey that he wasn't going to be taking part and then all of a sudden they were saying, oh, he uh, can he take part? And then there was the whole back and forth. What's what's your, I'll ask you both, what, what's your opinion on that then? Should he have been allowed back in? And, and, and if so, why? And why was he allowed to be on the lead lap is the other question. Good question. Good question. Um, Should he have been allowed back in? I think so, but I don't think he should have been put back onto the lead lap because he didn't complete it and the rest did. So I think it's pretty obvious for me that he should have been allowed back in because, well, I think if there was a a long stoppage like that and you could get the car fixed, I don't see any reason, unless it was obviously in the rules, I don't see any reason why you couldn't. you know, get your get your act together, get the car rebuilt, and get back in the race. But I'm not sure he should have been counted as being on the league lap because clearly mm. he wasn't. Yeah. Mm. Um, for, from my perspective, I I think Red Bull had it, it goes to show how complicated the rules and regulations are because obviously it says things like 
the car must make it back to the grid, or you know, must make it back under its own steam if it wants to start. There's some rule like that, and I remember seeing a few people online getting really bent out of shape about this rule, um, where they were saying, "Oh, but Perez got towed back." But the point was, he it was always said that he was going to start from the pit lane if he was able to, to to get the car going. And whilst Red Bull had signaled their intention to not run him, it wasn't a DNF; it was a DNS because the event hadn't begun. So they withdrew it on the grounds that they thought there wasn't going to be enough time. They then, we heard it on the team, we, you know, we heard it on the TV coverage. They then spoke to the race director and said, look, you know, we can get this fixed in time. Can we do it? And can we re-enter? Michael Massey consulted with his, you know, he said, he said, he said, I'll check and get back to you. He spoke to his stewards. They all talked about it. And then they made the decision that yes, Paris could be allowed back in. So in that sense, I don't see any issues. It's not like they repaired the car and put him back into seventh or eighth or wherever it was he was on the grid. You know, he was still starting at the very back. Whether he should have been allowed to effectively cut out that lap, that's that's a different question. Um, but also, when we have a formation lap for a safety car restart, quite often lapped cars are allowed to unlap themselves anyway. So I think that was just what was that was in effect what he had done. The the, the 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 thing with the whole weekend this weekend is we've never been in a position like this, certainly not that I can remember. I think the last time we had half points was Malaysia, I think, 09. Yeah, it was. And had we foreseen how bad the weather was going to get, uh, you know, that's another conversation. We probably shouldn't have gone out at all and we should have just abandoned the race. And then that would have perhaps, and if Red Bull would have known that sooner, would have would have had a different bearing on how they would have gone about repairing the car or the rest of it. That's all I'm going to say on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, at the time, I didn't think he should have allowed back in the race, or if he was, he certainly there should have been penalties involved in that and i was uh while the debate was going on i had the i had the uh, sporting regulations up on my laptop and i was powering through it trying to find uh precedents and and rules for it and i looked for every reference in the in the um in the rule book relating to formation lap and there's so many regulations that actually repeat themselves and contradict themselves, themselves. it's insane so th- there was no way of policing it um i think if they'd have excluded perez from the race from starting the race um, and the race had run normally, then then Red Bull would have put it under protest and I think they would have won because it's it, it's just an unpoliceable rule. Because, yeah, the, I understand what they're saying about the whole outside assistance getting back, but the, the rule is you have to... Um, in the race, if you have outside assistance, then you, you can't continue. And it only says you have to you have to leave the pit lane under your own power. It doesn't say anything about completing the formation lap. So maybe that's something they'll close off in future. But equally, when we see cars starting from the pit lane, uh, sometimes they'll, they'll follow the cars around and then they'll enter the pit lane and leave the pit lane at the end, at the end when the race starts. But other times, they're sometimes doing the repair right up until that point. So, But yeah, I think he definitely should have started the race, but there should have been penalties imposed, whether that be laps down, you know, drive-through penalty, whatever it is, whatever those penalties should be. There should have been... Because there was things like they didn't have the wheels on in time and, and various other things, various other things that he wouldn't have been in compliance with the regulations for. So those those things aside as well, he should have incurred penalties for that. But yes, no reason why he shouldn't have been allowed in the race, in my opinion. And Carl agrees with me as well. So so that's that's good to know. 
Um, so we're talking about being back in the race. Was it even a race? No. It, that, that, that was not a race. Um, so I'm just checking, double-checking the calendar for the rest of the season. That mm. was not a race. It shouldn't have been considered a race. I'm I'm, I'm a big Max Verstappen fan, and I'm also a Lambda fan. Those are my two favourite drivers and, and, and their respective teams. That should not have been a race. It wasn't a race. It was a farce. Um, it was it was it was a yoke, as as Alonso would have said, um, and um, <laughs> and to to be able to say we're going to award half points because we put you out three hours after the adventure had started when the light was fading and the rain was heavier to do two laps behind the safety car to award you half points. Now nah, that doesn't sit right. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that the FAA are giving bias to any team or whatever, because that's just nonsense. You know, Birdie's not around anymore. That doesn't happen. Um, but they should have made the decision sooner in the day to either just not race, because it was evident that it wasn't going to get any, it wasn't going to get any dry. It wasn't going to get any lighter. And it, it just wasn't going to happen. We, the FIA got almost sort of, they got false hope from Saturday because the weather cleared around the time W Series and F3 was on. There was a bit of sunshine further on into the day, which helped dry out the track a bit. Obviously, it then started raining again afterwards. But F1 had no chance, absolutely no chance. They shouldn't have gone out. They they, they shouldn't have even risked it because when, because when, when the call came, it was what, about 20 past six local time. So it was 20 past five for us. They've had that shot of the camera looking down the straight and it looked like a gloomy winter's day where it was so dark and overcast. I mean, don't forget the TV makes it look lighter as well. And then when you saw them going out, I think it was an onboard from George Russell. I could not see Verstappen's rain light at all. I had no idea how close he was. And given the history of accidents at Spa, you can look at Bottas, oh, sorry, not Bottas, look at Norris the day before. It's two years ago, two years ago today, we lost Antoine Hubert. There was the accident in W Series. The drivers of, of, the, of the F1 drivers, the safety car driver, the marshals, the fans, nobody should have been put at risk like that. Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel quite strongly about this. Yeah, I, I was very uncomfortable with that being called a race and actually being an event at all. I mean, we, we saw some horrific scenes, as you said, in W Series. We've seen horrific things in Spa, in the dry. You know, Hubert wasn't even wasn't even bad conditions. I know it was it was F2 and slightly different scenario and was a bit of a freak accident, but but we see these kind of things in, in bad weather, but, you know, people have died on this track in normal weather, in, you know, in semi-recent times as well. So it's it's... It was definitely an uncomfortable position, and then to see them go out that second time when the conditions were worse, um, I, I trusted at the time when they said race starts in ten minutes that they saw a gap in the in in the weather. There was no gap in the weather. No. I I don't think so. I I think it was purely cash is king. Back to the situation. Formula One desperately trying to recover from the situation where they found themselves in because of COVID, and they can't. You know, they, they've taken huge financial hits. They're on the road to recovery. They're desperately trying to keep things in check. And 
it would have cost them too much money to not send them back out on track for another lap. But then they almost scored an absolute complete own goal with the whole countback system as well. And it took them that the whole where they where they they did the count back back two laps so the standings were taken from lap one and they had to debate that in the stewards room for hours afterwards and then come out with this cock and ball story about well yes the the regulations say that you have to complete three laps which they did because the leader passed the passed the timing beam three times so they completed the three laps but just because they completed the three laps doesn't mean that the standings have to be taken from those three laps so you've got these two regulations that just completely contradict themselves. And they say, yes, you, yes, you completed three laps, but two of them don't count. But you still completed three laps. Yeah. It's just like, so these two phantom laps that never happened don't appear on timing charts, but still count towards awarding points. It's just an absolute farce. And it just the whole thing just needs tidying up and sorting out. Sorry, I'm just ranting away there. Charlie, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, um, yeah it certainly was not a race and... Uh... I mean, as much as I was happy to see Russell get his podium, uh, it was not. Uh, there was nothing really good to, other than that to take away from the weekend. And yeah, it definitely needs a, a review ASAP. Yes, yes, hundred percent. I'm, uh, I'm totally for that. Um, so what? Um, so based on that, so points. I mean, obviously they're given half points. I mean, we've agreed it's not a race, so I'm assuming we're all in agreement that points shouldn't have been awarded. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge George Russell fan. Uh, I'm a what I call a sports racist. Uh, I I always cheer for the Brits, and I do class Scots as Brits in that. David Coulthard is one of my favourite ever drivers. So, before you get me on that, um, <laughs> I notice how the the um, the English people always consider the uh, Scottish sportsmen as English, especially when they do well. But the Scots oh, never uh, do, do they? <laughs> that I, no, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know if you've lifted that from the Grand Tour, but I remember Clarkson no. talking about that. No, I've never no, I've no. never seen it. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. But it's funny because he makes exactly the same point about it. And I'd just like to say, it's very thought for us Welshmen. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we've got a, we got a really... Uh, if only Carl was on this podcast. He's in Ireland. So oh, four nations, yeah. Exactly. We would have, would have been... Uh, well, he wouldn't have been Northern Ireland. He's in uh, Dublin oh. right now, throwing up in a bucket. So, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, right. Um, so, yeah, I think I would have loved... I would have loved to have seen that fight in semi-dry conditions. You know, George Russell in a Mercedes engine, a Red Bull with a much higher downforce setting. George Russell pushing Max Verstappen for the it lead. It would have been an absolute classic if it had gone. Yeah, I, I don't think for one second that he would have won the race. That I think sure the race would the race would have been won um, at the end of the Kemmel Straight, and whoever was, you know, I think front. even if Max Verstappen was going to be in front at the end of that straight, then he would have gone on and won by a country mile. It would have yeah, only yeah, been. Like if they could have stayed ahead and if strategy worked. I think the, the downfall setup that Red Bull went with was uh, was by far the superior strategy in the uh, in the in the wet. So I think given it was a wet race, they would have they would have walked away with it. Um, but yeah, you just never know, because we've been robbed. He could have aquaplaned off after two laps. We will just never know. And it could have been a George Russell win. Exactly. Driver so, of the day. Can we give a driver of the day? Uh, I, I'm I'm going to give a driver of the weekend because it, it, it it's impossible to give one for Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to do driver of the day for Saturday, if you like, because that was the most action we had. And you know where I'm going with this. Mr. Saturday, it has to be George Russell mm-hmm. for driver of the Saturday day. You know, P2 in Williams, what can you say? Exactly. He, was one, he was one of only two drivers to put in a lap time under two minutes. 
Mm-hmm. And that in, in what the engineers have said, I've heard on another podcast, so people don't think that I'm getting this myself, was 17th quickest car on the grid. Uh, and that's there. His engineers were saying that that in the dry, that car was the seventeenth quickest car, and he's put that second on the grid ahead of both works Mercedes. Yeah, crazy. And yeah. one of the and one of those Mercedes drivers being a seven-time world champion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and widely considered one of the greatest races and qualifiers of all time as well. Exactly. So yes, yes. No, I I agree one hundred percent on that. Are you in agreement yeah. with that, Charlie? Uh, completely in agreement. Yeah. Who's our dick of the day? Cool. Dick of the day then. So driver-wise, it can only be Perez, realistically. Or I suppose you could say Raikkonen and Stroll for making those changes to the cars, which then got them put to the back. Um, or is there something else? Are we going uh, FIA? Are we going stewarding as we normally do? Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going FIA because the whole cock-up with, oh, the event clock has started, but the race clock has stopped. Oh. And then all, all, all the toing and throwing, and then delaying by five minutes, then five minutes, then ten minutes, then ten minutes, and five minutes, then then indefinitely, and then setting the hour. You know, just no, no. You effed up this weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, uh, I'll I just go back slightly in that Carla's mentioned that uh, that Vettel should get at least a nomination for driver of the day after his uh, honourable oh, moments with uh, with Norris. So I agree there. Yep, that's uh, that's definitely definitely on there for that. Um, so yes, I'm sorry the the comments are a bit delayed, Carl. So don't get stressed with me if I don't mention your comments. But you could just be on the podcast instead. But there we go. Never mind. Um, yeah. So I think we're. I think we're in agreement there for both driver and dick of the day. I think I will probably say the rule book rather than the FIA because you can, you know, a bad workman always blames their tools, but that that tool is a broken spanner. To be honest, it's it's not it's not fit for purpose. It needs addressing. I know this is unprecedented events, and but you know it's not the first time it's rained in in Belgium. We know it rains like this in Belgium all the time. It rained in Belgium like this two months ago. So yeah, it just yeah it it needs sorting out. So I think they just need to they just need to address the rule book because the rule book was the problem here because the stewards were doing and Massey was doing what he thought was best but then obviously <laughs> the rules just weren't fit for purpose. So looking at the standings then it's still Lewis Hamilton leading the championship 202 and a half points followed by Max Verstappen with 199 and a half points. I hate it when we have seasons with half points. Um, Lando Norris still third despite the fact I've been saying for months he's not in that fight for third uh, he is still there um, got what like 10 races to go now so um, there's a possibility if, especially if Russell gets announced then uh, Bottas might just phone it in and there is a chance Norris might get third or fourth I'll, I'll be surprised I think he's still on for fifth but there's a chance there uh, Valtteri Bottas there in fourth 108 Sergio Perez 104 Long way back to Carlos Sainz with 83.5 over Charles Leclerc on 82. Daniel Ricciardo back on 56 with Pierre Gasly on 54. And then Esteban Ocon finishes up the top 10 with 42 points. Uh, We can look at the Constructors' Championship, which is still Mercedes leading with 310.5. Red Bull 303.5. McLaren 169, just a few points ahead of Ferrari on 165.5. Alpine on 80, Alfa Toro on 72, Aston Martin 53, and then Williams up to 20 points. Who would have thought Williams would have scored 20 points this year? I thought they were up to, I thought they were up to 30. I thought they were 30, but that's because Sky put the uh, put the they put the table out with the 
full points. Uh, and so it's, yeah, exactly. And I was like, how the hell have McLaren pulled out like 12 points on Ferrari on half points? And uh, and then they corrected them. And yeah, Williams are on 20 points now. Because um, yeah, I think I put it on the on the Grid Talk Slack chat, didn't I? That Williams are on 30 points. But that was because Sky had uh, balls up. Um, well done, Sky. And then Alfa Romeo, three points. And Haas still with zero. So that's the uh, that's the standings. Um, I'm going to hand over to you now, Tom, as you got a, you're going to just go through the updated calendar for us. Yes. Yeah, so obviously we've had a bit of chopping and changing this year with the calendar, and as the COVID situation is ever evolving, as I know, having you know only just come out of isolation, thanks to a positive test. Um, so obviously the next race this coming weekend is at Zandvoort. So you know Verstappen's actual home race, opposed to his. Um, Sort of like involuntary home race, if you like, which you know, which which we've just had in yep. Spa, because um, because obviously Verstappen was born in Belgium, even though mm. even though Jos is is Dutch, um, yeah. So so we're at um, Sorry, yeah. yeah, no, worries. Uh, we're at Spa this weekend. Then Italy a week later than it normally is, because I always associate Monza with the first weekend of September, but with the with the second week of September, so the tenth to the twelfth. We're then off to we then got a week off. We're then off to Russia, from the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth. Uh, we're then off to Turkey. Now there have been rumours about Turkey being replaced again, again. <laughs> now, it, now, as I'm sure most people listening will remember, Turkey initially came onto the calendar to replace a race. Possibly China was it? No, I no, think- it wasn't China. No, no, because China wasn't even on the list this year at all. Mm. But Turkey came onto the calendar to replace a race this year, and then probably got taken off again um, because it's on the UK red travel zone, or was at the time. Yeah. Again, like I said, the situation is constantly evolving, so we may see a replacement in there. Um, I'm hearing a double header in America, possibly, mm-hmm. um, but we will wait and see. Then, as it stands, the 22nd to the 24th of October, we have one of my favourite modern circuits, uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin. Then after that, we are scheduled to have Mexico City on the 5th to the 7th of November, followed by Brazil in Sao Paulo on the 12th to the 14th. Now, Mexico and Brazil, the COVID situation is rife. I don't know what will happen. I struggle to see them going ahead, but we'll find out. The following that, on my birthday weekend, we have the 19th to the 21st, which is which was going to be Australia. It's not to be confirmed, but it's looking likely that's going to be a Qatar race. Mm-hmm. Take from that what you will. Yep. Then from there, we oh, we do a lovely tour. Then we go from we go from potentially Qatar to Saudi Arabia for the first time uh, on the Jeddah Street Circuit on the 3rd to the 5th of December, and then all the way into the 10th to the 12th of December. So we're getting close to Christmas. We're finishing off at Abu Dhabi. Excellent. And uh, we have some breaking news. Breaking news! From what I understand, which is your your announcement that you've heard, Tom? Yeah, so it's it's not confirmed. This is all hot air at the moment, as, as I'm sure most news in F1 is. But rumours are Nick De Vries will be signing for Alfa Romeo in 2022, replacing Antonio Giovinazzi. Now, it's widely known that Fred Vasseur does have a close relationship with Toto Wolff. And obviously, De Vries has just won the Formula E World Championship for Mercedes, which we'll get onto in a moment. Spoiler. 
Spoiler. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. We haven't yeah. covered that yet. <laughs> yeah, edit, edit that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, but so Nick DeVries obviously racing for Mercedes in Formula E. Fred Vasseur has close ties with with Toto Wolf, um, so there's a good there's a good possibility we could see Bottas and DeVries at Alfa Romeo. Now that ties into the other rumor that we're going to see Kimi announcing that he's going to retire at Monza, with <clears throat> excuse me, with Russell moving to Mercedes and Bottas moving to that sort of like senior seat. Interesting. And, and then another rumor which I've heard in the last sort of two or three minutes since we started this podcast is apparently Callum Mylott and Alex Albon are in the mix for the other Williams seat. Wow. That's interesting. I know um, Albon's been in talks with two Formula One teams and he's also looking at a potential uh, drive an IndyCar of things if things go pear-shaped, which I'm sure we'll cover next week when uh, when Phil's back with us to talk about IndyCar. Um, but yeah, it's I've, I have to admit, I mean, I is well known my feelings towards Alfa Romeo and just how meh and vanilla I find them as a team. But I did not expect them to do a complete full driver change. Um, I expected, I wanted to see Kimi retire and then Giovinazzi up against someone like Bottas. But a full driver change, that might actually energise the team to a point where they might actually interest me beyond, you know, being back markers. So that's a really interesting uh, scenario there. What's your thoughts, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, uh, sounds like a, a good lineup that they're bringing in. We've seen, obviously, as you mentioned, the recent Formula E, he's very. He's very racy. He's very he's young talent. He's very very much an up and coming talent. And Bottas, obviously, a uh, you know experienced racer at the top levels. So mm-hmm. those two together would really be a good pairing, I would think. And yeah, it could mm-hmm. definitely and he's, things come from them. He's not only uh, he's not only Formula E champion. He's also Formula Two champion as well. So yeah, exactly. he's uh, he's he kind of ticks all the boxes there. He just didn't have the backing and the uh, and like the. I mean, he he won Formula Two in a year when a lot of talent had left. So I think he was kind of like probably the fourth best driver the year before, and then he just kind of picked up the pieces the following year. Uh-huh. But uh, but even so, he's uh, he is a quality driver. He's shown that in in Formula E. He's also shown his displeasure at some of the rules in Formula E as well. So I think he probably would be looking for a competitive seat somewhere else um and I think, I, yeah i think the last thing that reads the, the last thing the grid needs is is another vocal angry dutchman <laughs> and yeah, i, I say that as a Verstappen fan so yeah i i would actually i would lick my lips at the uh, the rivalry as well between those two i know oh, like de vries in a williams versus uh versus uh verstappen in a red bull or you know sorry de vries would be looking at, at alfa romeo wouldn't he but uh yeah it's I mean, it wouldn't be exactly a fair fight, but even so, I, I actually quite like Nick Trevis as a driver. I mean, he used to be on the McLaren Young Driver Programme, so obviously I'm biased on that front. Um, so I, I, it'd be interesting to see. I would quite like to see that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you're saying about the, the Williams situation as well. So I'm assuming they'll be fighting out to partner Nicholas Latifi as opposed to both being lined for that seat. From what I understand, yes. However, um, Jos Capito did come out and say a few weeks ago that the team is not as reliant or needy for pay drivers anymore. Um, so, again, take from that what you will. I think it'd be a mistake to get rid of the TV because he's really started to settle in. He started to get some good results. He started to put in some good performances, even if it perhaps doesn't appear that way in terms of points and all the rest of it. He's just been quietly getting on with it. I think I said at the start of the season, he looked like he was turning into a race driver now. Um, But then I've kind of gone back on that in recent races. But up until 
Hungary and Spa. He's had two strong results, but they've been in crazy conditions. What I'd like to see from uh, from Nick is he actually getting into Q2 in a normal dry session on a track, you know, on a, on a normal track, not not a go-kart track or a crazy wet track. Um, just see him in normal conditions, put it into Q2 and then finish in the points. If he does that, then I think he's deserving of the seat. But he's had two years, granted in the worst car in the field a lot of the time, but he's had two years and he's not been anywhere near George Russell. He's had, no, you know, he's been nowhere compared to George Russell. And, you know, George is clearly a talent. But I would be very surprised if you know if you put both of those guys in a Mercedes, you've got to imagine that the 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 uh, the point spread would be similar to what it is in Williams, and and he just wouldn't be good enough in that scenario. So I think at the moment he's got the added benefit that he's he's turning out okay, um, but I I rate him no higher than Antonio Giovinazzi for me. In fact, I'd probably put Giovinazzi a little bit ahead of him. I wouldn't be upset to see him leave, but I wouldn't. I don't think it would be a mistake to get rid of him. But I think he's if he can prove between now and the end of the season that he can do it more regularly and score more points for the team, then I, I wouldn't be offended by him staying in Formula One. Whereas I am constantly offended at some other drivers that are in Formula One. So uh, he would he would be well off the uh, well off the bottom of the pile for me anyway. So yeah. Uh, so that kind of pretty much wraps us up on uh, on the Formula One for the weekend. I mean, looking ahead to Zandvoort next week, um, I, we've not been there since when was the last Zandvoort Grand Prix? The seventies was it, or the eighties maybe? Was I it nineteen eighty three? Someone like that? I think it may have been early eighties. I think. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I was close. Last race, nineteen eighty five. Okay. Yes. Not far off. Yes, nineteen eighty five. Cool. I was three. Charlie wasn't born, so I, it's, it's <laughs> neither neither was I. Oh, okay. So I'm the old man of the podcast today, then. Great. The seasoned professional. Yeah. No, to be it. fair, I'm always the old man of the podcast because Carl's quite a bit younger than me as well. So it's fine. I'm used to it. I'm used to being old. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's uh, I, from what I hear, it sounds like it's going to be more a Mercedes track than a Red Bull track, and there's possibility of some rain. So hopefully, you know, we'll actually get a race. But uh, yeah, that kind of that light rain, intermediate weather would be intermediate tire type conditions. That's what I'd be. Uh, that's what I'd be looking for, rather than monsoon weather. So we're going to move on to the Formula E, but I just want to I just want to round up a couple of things that happened in the other formulas over the weekend because although we didn't have a Formula One race, we did have some Formula 3 races and a W Series race. So it was um, Colombo, Crawford and Stanek got top three in, in race one. Uh, it was it was Doohan, Schumacher and Sargent in race two. And it was Doohan, Martins and Smolia in race three, which uh, given that Dennis Hauger had a fantastic lead going into this, all he needed to do was just just maintain his uh, his recent form. And uh, and. He had two points in race two and four points in race three, and that was it. He was nowhere all weekend. And Jack Doohan has really come on leaps and bounds from last year where uh, I was criticising him quite heavily from his radio rants. He was like the, the Dick Tantrum of Formula 3 last year. Mm. And he's you know this season in Barcelona, he had a third place in the feature race. In France, he had a win in the feature race. And then he had a, a, a third place in Budapest and then a win again in Spa. Uh, the only race where he hasn't won would, was, uh, was in Austria. Um, but he's really putting together a good run here, and now he's he's on 133 points to Halga's 158, and then with Freddie Vesti back on 101, and Victor Martins and Smolia just behind fourth and fifth of 96 and 92. 
and Novelak as well on 92. So um, I still think it's I think it's between those two, Hauger and Duan. We just got um, six races left, so two rounds, Zandvoort and Austin. So six races left. Can Duan do it? I, I would be shocked given how bad he was last year. But um, but Hauger, he needs he needs some consistency, and he's he's had it up until now but now one really bad weekend and doing straight back in the fight so that's going to be uh that's going to be a very interesting finale there now we touched on the w series with uh with what happened in uh, in qualifying we had a six car pile up and it was really quite scary did you see that charlie and Tom? Uh, yeah. 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 yeah it was it was horrendous uh six, it was basically six accidents six separate accidents starting in different places and all finishing in the same point it was horrendous but fortunately everyone was okay we had a couple of drivers not take part as a result and i've got a cat in my face um but uh jamie chadwick was on pole uh the british interest and uh unfortunately she wasn't able to hold on but it was a phenomenal Phenomenal uh, performance from Emma Kimmelainen to come through to win the race, which means now the standings, Chadwick has the lead on 91 points, Alice Powell seven points back with 84, and Emma Kimmelainen now in the championship fight on 60 points. So we do have a few rounds left. We've got Zandvoort, Circuit of the Americas, and then Mexico to finish up. So we have three races left, just one race a weekend in W Series. Uh, so that is literally just three rounds to go. So uh, that's that's hotting up. Alice Powell looked to be the uh, the um, the yardstick at the start of the season, but Chadwick's really come into her own, uh, and yeah, just didn't quite have the pace in the wet conditions in Spa. In this, it looked like it was always going to be Kimmelainen's race. So, incidentally, Emma Kimmelainen, what a what a fantastic finish name, Kimmelainen, fantastic. It's like a hybrid of Kovalainen and Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if we now move on to the Formula E then, uh, and hopefully this cat will bugger off. He's really annoying me. Um, so it's been a while, hasn't it, Charlie? It has, yes. Yeah. Uh, rest, four races in the meantime, so. Yeah, and four races and a season finale. Exactly. So um, should we start then um, with with the racing in London? Okay. Um, so. That was a... Uh, there were some interesting things that happened in that race and some and some results that really opened up the season as well, opened exactly. up the championship fight. So we had, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Uh, what was your standout moments from London? Uh, well, obviously the most dramatic moment was the uh, Lucas de Grassi tried to take advantage of the higher speed limit in the pit lane than the safety car was going at to try and uh, jump from about must have been eighth or ninth or something like that, up to first place during one of the races. Um, so cheeky. He, yeah, it was very cheeky. He managed to get up to first, um, but he was eventually disqualified. And the, but it was a, it was a good try. You got to applaud him for for trying, but uh, he did not. Uh, the stewards did not see the that's same a, way. So for me, that's like say you're, you're playing Monopoly and you've got to be applauded for trying to take some money out of the banker as as the banker without anyone noticing. It's cheating at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, um, he only was he was only disqualified because the rule stated that he had to be fully stopped uh, or like the mechanics had to touch yeah. the car or something. Like that. It was something like that. Like, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, he was, he was pretty close. It was pretty yeah. close to getting away with it. It was like yeah. It was, yeah. 
I think the, the rule was that you had to come to a complete stop in the pit lane um, and he, because the car was, he'd made, his wheels had stopped moving, but the car was sliding. Right. So he hadn't actually come to a complete stop. And yeah, that's, that's what it was. And I am so glad that happened. Can you imagine the bad publicity for Formula E if they'd have had to allow that, you know, that result know. to stand? It would have been horrendous. So... Yeah, it was a Jake Dennis win in the first race. And then uh, Nick DeVries put himself back in championship contention with uh, Alex Lynn in third for the first race. And then uh, race two was a Lynn win, DeVries second, and a Mitch Evans third. So uh, Jackie were getting back into it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, it, the championship looked like it was all all poised going into uh, going into Berlin as well, wasn't it? It was, was yeah. it how many drivers were in the fight? Was it 12? Um, no, it was more than that. The first race, it was like, there's still about 15, 16 still in it in the, in the first race. And then I came down to about 10, mm. 8 or something, like 8 or 10 or something in the second race. You know, mathematically, obviously, some had better chances than others, yes. But it was uh, very, very tight, yeah. Absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. And then, so what was uh, your your standout moment then from uh, from Belgium? Uh, sorry, from Berlin. Uh, well, as a Jaguar fan, I've got to say, Bimich Evans is podium for me, but uh, obviously <laughs> it was overshadowed by the heartbreaking moment. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, just season finale. Yeah, just die, dying on the grid. And then just, I mean, should we just talk through those events? Because we went into that race, yes. and it was it was it was Mitch Evans uh, in the championship hunt. Uh, it was um, uh, Jake Jake Dennis, Edward Matara, Nick DeVries, yeah. And then the we, four, yeah. and then we had right off the death, we had uh, Mitch Evans having a failure, and then Edward Matara plowing into him on the grid. In the first race, uh, so that's two championship contenders out before we'd even driven a yard. Um, then we go to red flag. Safety car comes out. Safety car restart. About a lap in, Dennis out as well. Something dodgy about that. Yeah, Something he just suspicious. <laughs> yeah, did, did I know? Going he... on there. He yeah. thought he thought something happened, didn't he? He just seemed yeah. If you watch the replay, confused. he did just something seemed to break on the back of the car, and he just completely lost mm. it. He just couldn't break anymore, and he just went into the walls. So. so I thought it had the crinkle of a of a uh, tinfoil hat there, Charlie. Have you got a conspiracy theory? You'd nah, like to share I have a conspiracy theory, but I don't know if I can say what my conspiracy theory is for fear of being sued. Well, what you can, what what you can say is you can you can say allegedly you heard yeah. something that may or may not be true. Yeah, so, allegedly, uh, my mind is told me that uh, there was a great Mercedes conspiracy here and uh, the dastardly Total Wolf may or may not have been involved <laughs> in the uh, great conspiracy to bring down, to rig Formula E in his favour. But, uh, but for what? For legal for what, reasons, it's a joke, yes. Yes, of course, yeah. But yeah, I mean, why would... I mean, obviously, it's, I take it that's because Mercedes supply power power units to... Um, to Jake Dennis's team. I forget who he drives for now, to be honest. Uh, yeah, no, BMW. Yes, the BMW, of course. Oh, so why would Mercedes... No, no. Because um, they won the championship, so I assume they just went around and sort of tampered with the race car. And then... Oh, I see. Okay. I, 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 I can only assume. That's it. Yeah, of course. It's like the only logical explanation. <laughs> you just got this vision of uh, of Toto Wolf sitting okay. in there with a that fake moustache and, yeah. and he's twiddling, like, twiddling his fake moustache. holding a spanner in one hand and just... <laughs> and then, and then you got Paddy Lowe behind him going <laughs> like Muttley from, <laughs> from wacky races. It's too strange that Mortara was the only one who didn't manage to get out of Evans's way when he hit him, and uh, I think <laughs> he was up there with a laser shining in his eyes. 
<laughs> yes, allegedly, allegedly for legal yeah, all, reasons. All a joke for legal reasons. All yeah. for legal reasons, yeah. Uh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, so obviously race one, uh, you, you've already touched on it. Mitch Evans, podium, Edo Matara second, and Lucas Degrassi with the win. And then the second race, um, after that craziness, that left basically Nick DeVries was the only one who was realistically going to win the championship. But he yeah. still tried to throw it away, didn't he? He did. That's why, yeah, he was not... because. He was not, in my mind, the deserving winner by the end of that race because he he almost crashed into his own teammate. He has almost broken the number one rule of racing hmm. in the season finale when they all they needed to do was get a good finish in order to take the teams and the drivers' championship. He's nearly blown away. But I mean, he would have won the teams, the drivers on by default if he crashed out anyway. But taking out stuff with Van Dorn at the same time, then then their teams' hopes would have been over. So. I thought it was some crazy driving, and I imagine the engineers were going crazy at him on the radio, but eventually they did manage to bring it home, and he did. They, they did get both championships in the end, but yeah, he, he looked like he just wanted to have fun, and uh, but it's like he hadn't won the title at that point. Yeah, he, no, wasn't, he wasn't so in a position where he could. Realized what was at stake. Yeah, it was yeah. not, not intelligent driving there. Yeah, nuts, nuts. So, um, other than so, are, are you happy with the result this season? Obviously, I know you're a, you're a Jaguar guy, but you, I think you've already so. touched on it. You're uh, do you don't you don't think the best guy won the championship in the end, or, no, or do you? I don't think so. I, um, yeah, just after seeing the end of that that uh, that race, and you see, even at the end of the race, once they were getting interviewed and everything, and the race, uh, well, Dennis, see, when he crashed out, I, I, I wasn't too sure about Dennis, whether or not you know, I liked him or not. I, he was new, obviously. hadn't quite got to know the guy yet. But see, after he, he crashed out, he was very, very good in his post-race interview. He was very collected, very gracious to the other drivers. All that Reese could talk about was the people that he thought was trying to hit into him. He was just, all he could talk about was just complain about the other drivers. when He had just won the championship i thought there was a lot of things wrong with the on the on that final day mm. yeah as I, I i admit i was very impressed with with jake dennis i mean a rookie to finish third in a championship that is unlike any other let's be honest there's, there's no championship like formula e no. um, out there at all and to finish third in your debut season is uh is, is pretty impressive um I mean, various points. We, me, Carl, and yourself all picked at the start of the season. I said Mercedes. You said Jaguar, and Carl said Diaz to Cheetah. At various points in the season, all three of them looked like they were going to win the championship. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, it was Mercedes, but it was uh, Nick De Vries, and I, I had Stoffel Van Dorn. So, I mean, I, I think Van Dorn looked like the quicker driver for most of the season. Uh, I was very surprised that it wasn't Motara. I think we said last time you were on that it yeah, looked like Motara was going to be the one that was going to take it. Um, I thought at times that Jaguar would look like they were going to they were gonna make I'm that sure step. I'm sure if Evans hadn't been crashed and uh, well, hadn't stalled first and then been smashed to pieces, uh, I'm sure he would have gone on to take it. I mean, I think he would have done. Cause, I mean, I'm he's... sure he would have because if it hadn't, you know, barring any drama, like obviously what we saw, barring any drama, I'm sure he would have gone on to take it. If, if Norman Nato, the eventual winner, could win from sixth place, I have no doubt that a Jaguar could have won from third. Yeah, well, I mean, he was he's finished nine points off De Vries with a zero score. Um, so, I mean, with 25 he points well for a win. of everybody else in the title fight. Yeah. Well, and you were supposed to Dennis, I think, down in ninth or something, and then Mortara back. Mortara yeah. and De Vries both starting out the points. I think it was dead set for Evans to take it. I mean, like I, I think I said to you, I don't know if I did, but... My mum went down to the shops. I asked her if they got a bottle of champagne just to chuck in the fridge. Just to, <laughs> I was so certain that I could go out and spray that in the back garden. But, oh. um, but no, not to be. I was out there 
full Jaguar kit, Jaguar hat. Oh. I've got a signed Jaguar shirt with Mitch Evans, had that hanging up. Everything mm. I could find in the house. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. Well, I I actually own a Jaguar as well. I don't know if you know that. It's uh, it's effectively a Ford Mondeo, but uh, it's. Uh... <laughs> I, I've got to ask what Jaguar have you got. Uh, it's it's an X type. It's nothing special. Oh, okay. It's like twelve years old, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's basically a Ford, it's the Ford Mondeo. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, I've got some. Obviously, I, I being a sports racist uh, and then being a uh, a British team sort of. Of course, I'm going to be in favour of Jaguar, but uh, but uh, yeah. So I mean, Mercedes obviously winning the uh, both titles in the end. So it's very you know maybe a very different championship, but similar results to Formula One. Um, and then announcing days later that they were leaving the sport at the end of Gen 2. Um, how does that affect Mercedes as a whole and, and, and their approach to next season and, the, and really the championship as a whole? Yeah, I think that's the key question is how it's going to affect Formula E because that is obviously this year's biggest team just saying no more, Ciao. we're leaving. Yeah. yeah, so that's it's slightly worrying for Formula E the amount of teams that are leaving because you've got them leaving, you've got Audi leaving. I mean, mm-hmm. Audi are huge in Formula E. They've been there from the very beginning, mm-hmm. been very dominant. They've got a lot of wins to their name, a lot of points, podiums. So them and Mercedes both saying enough is enough. BMW are leaving as BMW, but they're staying on as Andretti. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of three... German brands that are just decided to wave goodbye to the sport. So it is slightly worrying for formerly the amount of uh, large teams that are leaving them. I think that's the key concern here. Yeah, I mean, I think manufacturers come and go in, in sports in general. And the, the, the old adage of, you know, buy on Sunday, or sorry, win on Sunday, buy on Monday. Oh. And, and they kind of, all the all the manufacturers flock to Formula E to, to promote their electric brands. and But there's only going to be one winner at the end of the day. And, and the it, I think once it becomes clear that they're not going to dominate, they probably, you know, it's it's like, well, let's put this money somewhere else. It doesn't have to be a motorsport. It can be all kinds of other things to promote your brand. So I think um, you're always going to have manufacturers coming and going. And I think yeah. Formula E hit a massive purple patch where they got so many manufacturers in in a very short time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just think that potentially, like with the new WC rules and the way that the IndyCar are looking for another manufacturer as well and the, the new rules coming in for Formula 1, there's a lot of options out there. I think Extreme E as well is going to be uh-huh. uh, part of their consideration as well. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw the odd brand go across to to, form, to, to Extreme E as well. So it's a... Um, it's uh, it, like you say, it is worrying that so many are leaving in such quick succession, yeah. but... I mean, it will just revert back to type, and you'll, you know, you'll just have slightly smaller teams. But I think the competitiveness will still stay the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course it will. Yeah. So, um, looking forward then to to next year. How do you see this go for next year? It's the last season on this Gen Two package. Um, slightly updated Gen Two package. Uh, supposed to be bringing in the new Gen Two Evil cars uh, next year. Okay. What's um, What's the difference of those? Uh, they were supposed to be introduced. Uh, this year, at the start of this year, but uh, well, this season at least, but it's just a slightly updated car. It's more traditional race car type design. There's no wheel covers on the front, uh, on the front, and maybe on the back as well. Uh, there's a rear wing. Uh, the front wing is slightly different, so it's just a more, it's a more traditional um, look, but still the same basic characteristics though as the current cars. They're meant to be brought in this year, but COVID uh, did cut costs. Yes, 
yes, yes. So, so I believe right. that's still going ahead, but you'd have to double check that. But I believe that's still going ahead this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's um, that's that's going to be interesting to look forward to for next season, definitely. Um, I I don't I haven't seen any any news on on drivers. I know there's been a couple of a couple of people confirmed, but uh, have you yeah, heard anything particularly? I think we covered most of the transfers I think, last I think, last podcast. I think, so I, think I think we yeah. did. Yeah. There's nothing been confirmed yeah. since then. I don't think. No, I've so. not seen anything major. No. No, well, we'll do. I'm sure we'll uh, next season we'll do a bit of a a bit of a preview for the for the yeah. new season and, and everything like that. Um, so, driver of the season debate. Then, who who would you nominate for your driver of the season, Charlie? All bias aside, I'm dominating Mitch Evans. All bias aside, the man is consistent. Six podiums, all six podiums. He's been up there. Every weekend, almost every weekend, Mexico was a one-off exception. They weren't really there, but almost every weekend, he's been there at the front, fighting. He's got himself into championship contention, looked so close to take the championship. Just an unlucky error that was completely out of his control, didn't give him the championship. For me, he is my standout. Okay. I know it's not your area of expertise, Tom, but uh, have you got any, any nominations for driver of the season? Um, I'd have to agree with Charlie. You know, Mitch Evans has been pretty good this year from what Formula E I have seen. I haven't watched everything, I will confess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's been, been pretty damn good this year. Okay. Um, I have to, I'm going to disagree with you both. Uh, obviously, with the same one anyway. Uh, there's been, been a few nominations for me. Edel Mortara really impressed me. Um, yeah, Evans, Evans did impress me as well. Um, I, I like that, you know, you've got. Um, Antonio Felix da Costa going up against John Eric Verne, and he's now proven really two years in a row that he's more than a match for him. And yeah. there's p- possibilities of him moving to IndyCar as well. He's another one that's impressed me. Uh, ones that haven't impressed me, Sergio Seta Camera, I've not really been particularly impressed with him, uh, and various other people as well. Um, but I, for me, I, I enjoyed Sam Bird's performance as well in Jaguar. I thought he was uh-huh. he was good. Yeah, but definitely. Um, I think for me, it's Jake Dennis is my driver of the season, given that he's he's a rookie and come straight into the straight into the formula and had a real genuine chance of winning. And barring you know that that small um, issue, he, his second half of the season, he was the best driver of the season for me. The first half of the season, he was still finding his feet, but once he found his feet, he was there. And I think he's going to be a real one to watch next season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of on his mind when he's been quite you know quite. Um, you know, quite relaxed about the fact that he's missed out on the championship on the last day. I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that he knows he's he's going to have a good car next year and he's got another crack at it. And nobody was expecting anything from him this year, uh, but he's delivered. He's over-delivered, so he can only really go forward from there. Um, so that's for me anyway. Um, do we have a dick of the season debate? We could go a lot of her just for the sheer number of crashes. Oh, do you know what? You picked go. it. You yeah. picked this. You picked the words right out of my mouth. It seemed to me every week it was Losser as having another incident. He just yeah. seemed every week he was crashing into somebody. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd agree on that. Would you agree on that, Tom? Or have you got a, another another nomination? Uh, uh, I, I can't add either way because I didn't watch enough of the season. No, that's fair enough. Okay, that's it. It's Losser then, Dick of the season. Predictions. Fantastic. So I'm just going to head back to Formula One now. And just just for um, we, we kind of abandoned our prediction league for the season because we've missed too many races, realistically. But I just I'd be interested to hear uh, what your guys predictions are for for Zandvoort. Um, so what we normally do is uh, win our fastest lap, first retirement, and then I'll do a random driver predictor as well, which I which while we're doing the first ones, I will get the random driver predictor up. 
So um, for Zandvoort then, um, I'll start with you, Charlie. Who are you going to go for for the win? I'll say Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen for the win. Um, I'm going to go Lewis Hamilton, uh, and apparently he's going to get pelted with oranges. Uh, is uh, what a, a Facebook group started over a million Dutch fans were saying they were going to throw oranges at uh, Lewis Hamilton. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton and Tom. Uh, I'm going to go with Max Verstappen. I think that home crowd is just going to push him on. Yeah, I, I think he'll definitely be a force to be reckoned with. But uh, it's I, I don't believe that the fans add half a second. Uh, I just think he'll try harder, harder. And potentially when Max Verstappen tries hard, he tends to make mistakes, which is why I don't think he's going to win the race. Fastest lap, however, different story. I think he's got, he'll, he'll get the fastest lap. Um, and then first retirement. Ooh, let's go Kimi Raikkonen. Why not? You guys, fastest you... lap and first mm. retirement. Uh, fastest lap, I'll say Verstappen, first retirement, Yuki Tsunoda. Okay, and Charlie? Um, I'll say fastest lap, yeah, I'll say Verstappen as well. And retirement, I'll say Esteban Ocon. Okay, and we have um, random driver predictor is Esteban Ocon. It's just come up, it's just spun the wheel. Well, so, Charlie, so you, you, can, you can either double down on that and say yep, Esteban okay. Ocon. Last yeah. place. Cool. So, what is last place? So, that'll be 20th for him then, yeah? Yes, yes. Cool. Esteban Ocon, I'm going to say 11th for him. I'm gonna, he's going to finish 11th. John, I was going to say 11th or 9th. So, I, I'm, I'm, just because you said 11th, I'm going to say 9th. Fantastic. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I'll just give you a moment now to to plug yourselves. Uh, so, Charlie, I know you don't run any podcasts or anything, but you are very prevalent on social media. I see you oh, popping up course. on all on all kinds of groups, left, right and centre. I see you commenting on stuff. So can people follow you and where can they find you? Uh, they kind of did. So Twitter at CharlieHorn11 and Instagram at Charlie underscore Horn 25 Okay, and Tom, you you work for you work for another rival podcast, and uh... oh, we're not rivals. We're, no, of we're, course we're, we're, not. we're all friends. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm part of everything I've won. So you can find us on oh god, where are we? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, which is all at Join the F1. We also have a Facebook group, which is the Everything F1 Paddock. We also have a website, which we're going to be giving you a lovely makeover soon, which is everythingf1.com. And we have our regular weekly podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast. We've also got a YouTube channel, Everything F1. And we also have a Discord server, which is, again, Everything F1. Fantastic. Well, and I, you need can... to, I need to talk my game. Yeah. <laughs> and you can also catch uh, um, myself and Tom on the uh, on the Grid Talk podcast from time to time. Uh, so look up F1 Chronicle on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, don't think they've got an Instagram at F1Chronicle.com. They're on the F1 Grid Talk podcast, which does uh, which does previews, uh, qualifying analysis and reviews of every single race. So uh, definitely, definitely worth catching them. They're much more professional than us. So got to give them a shout out as well because they've been very good to us and uh and and they have people like me and tom on every week and uh spouting our uh spouting our opinions and and allowing us to plug our podcasts on their podcast so uh go and give them go and give them a listen as well so unless there's anything else anyone wants to add i think we'll wrap up the podcast there i have one thing to add which i've just oh. seen excellent um, just going back to belgium there's been a statement by jean tom who's obviously fia president Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it open in front of me, so bear with me if I end up sort of just mumbling whilst I just basically pick it apart. So John Todd said that this weekend presented extraordinary challenges. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 
the weather windows predicted did not appear. And, and, and he said, da, 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 da. yeah, basically, um, he has explained that they thought it was going to be a gap in the weather, turned up, which is why they held on. There wasn't a gap in the weather. Um, he said they couldn't have run a full race efficiently due, due, due to the spray. He has apologized and he said everybody has recognized this. Um, what else does it say? It also says the FIA is working together with F1 and the teams to review the regulations, see what can be learned and improved for the future. It then says the findings, including the topic of points allocation, will be added to the agenda for the next F1 commission meeting on October 5th. So they've also recognised that if a situation like this does arise again, it does need to be looked at in a different light. Now, like I said, I appreciate this is a very, very, very unique scenario. This mm-hmm. weekend just gone. However, yeah, it's uh, yeah. At, at least they're acknowledging it. Yeah, and I, I think they have to acknowledge it, and that they have to uh, because there's there's so many things in the regulations that have been closed off due to individual things happening that are you know once in a lifetime situations. So they need to close those off. We often talk about other formulas and like Formula E and 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 you know Formula Two. These much more, these formulas that have not been around for quite as long. They often have major issues in the way that their rule book is put together that doesn't that makes them not fit for purpose. And this is one of those occasions where something that's unprecedented has happened, and they need to just close off those rules. There is a reason why there's so many adages and and uh, points to rules and everything and that's because so many things have happened in the past where they have to put rule amendments in and clarifications and everything like that so this is one of those occasions where they're going to have to put a clarification in it will likely never be used again and we hope it doesn't because i just feel for the fans sitting in that rain for five hours not seeing anything longer than that because they were there all day before with the support racing trying to get a get a good get a good vantage point as well so really feel for the fans they are the real losers um not you know formula one are, are losers from a uh you know from a from a pr point of view but definitely the fans are, are the real losers from uh, from this weekend so heart goes out to them and uh, we hope that this never happens again but we just walk away from the event just thankful that everyone is okay and nobody got hurt and you know it's racing at the end of the day it's uh it's uh nobody died that's the main thing so Yep. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you both for joining us this week. And hopefully uh, we'll be back next week with Carl and hopefully with Phil. And we'll catch up on all everything we've missed in IndyCar in the last few weeks. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And we'll say goodbye. This is a rough patch. I readily